This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of Is Everyone Happier Than Me? An Honest Guide to the Questions That Keep You Up at Night. Written and narrated by Sarah Bragg and available everywhere March 19th. Interestingly enough, you know, the incarnation is really the mo- the greatest act of attention. And I and I remember when I was reading a lot about attention, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to sort of rethink the greatest commandment instead of, you know, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, but attend God and attend your neighbor as you would attend yourself. And I think that's a wonderful invitation for the season because God attended us by drawing near and um, moving into the neighborhood. We are a smack dab in the middle of December, and life, including our time, can feel so overwhelming. Well, there is a little bit of hope and a way forward, not only through your Christmas season, but as you think about the new year and how you might want to structure your time accordingly. In this third conversation with author Jen Pollock-Michelle, she and I talk about what does it look like to think about our timekeeping in ways of spiritual formation? And we have some really thoughtful ways of thinking about time together. Listen in. It will sure give you a leg up and a bit of hope this season. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy Podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. It's been so much fun the last few weeks to chat with Jen Pollock-Michelle. She's helping us think through how we live our days. How do we inhabit time? And her book, In Good Time, is a great starting place. So thank you, Jen, for being here with us. Yeah, thanks again, Ashley. You are so welcome. So In Good Time is just about to come out. It comes out December 13th. So it is so fun to begin to unpack this, not just you and I on the podcast, um, who you've written the book. I got to endorse it. Thank you. Um, you know, so but to to share it with a wider audience. So I'm really excited to continue talking about uh, what are our habits of time? How do we approach time? How do we begin to think about time Christianly and even to think about a rule of life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Thank you again for endorsing it. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. It was such a privilege. Um, so, you know, as we think about our habits uh, of time, one thing I just really love about your book is that it isn't a time management book. You know, it's a way to begin to think about time more holistically and Christianly. And we spoke a little bit a few weeks ago. If you haven't listened to it, you can you can go on back to to talk about to hear us talk about uh, t- time anxiety. Um, but then you give us eight habits of time faith, and we we spoke a bit about beginning that first habit. Um, your, your other habits are to receive, to belong, to offer, to wait, to practice, 
to enjoy and to remember. And it strikes me, you know, as we were speaking last week about a rule of life, you know, this idea of practicing and remembering are really at the heart of a rule of life. So if, if folks need a little refresher, can you tell us a bit about what a rule of life does? And then especially as we think about heading into January, how might a rule of life help lower some of that time anxiety for us? Yeah, rule of life is based on the monastic practice, the monks and the nuns, you know, in the Middle Ages who wrote community documents and, and intended to order their lives together as disciples of Jesus in community together. And so I've been calling, I mean, this is sort of the definition that I've come to. A rule of life is a means of grace by which we seek um, or we seek to pattern our lives intentionally and to live in faithful response to God's voice. So a rule of life is primarily focused very singularly on this one purpose. I want to live in faithful response to God's voice. I want to be, I'm a follower of Jesus. I want to order my life um, according to his words. I want to be the wise person who builds their house on a rock. Um, but it's not just, you know, the global commitments of the Christian to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. But a rule of life asks us to sort of grapple with the realities of our life. And how are we going to do that? How are we going to practice loving God and loving our neighbor? How are we going to do that in, um, in our daily activities? How are we going to do that weekly and monthly and seasonally? So it sort of drills down into, okay, take that sort of global desire to love God. And, and for me in my rule of life, you know, that can, uh, one thing, like this would just be an example you know, our family's always felt really called to hospitality. Hospitality is in my rule of life um, because I know that it needs to be a regular practice. And if I leave it to my mood, it's probably going to get crowded out. And so there, there's an, a way in which a rule of life, it helps us to kind of attend um our faithful practices, you know, and not get distracted from them, not just sort of, you know, live on a whim of like, I'm going to practice hospitality and that, you know, I invited my neighbors over once and then I never see them again. But it, it asks us to regularly sort of recommit, not just commit once, but recommit. And it, I guess it recognizes that idea of discipleship. There is so much dailiness in discipleship. Um, and so, like I said, in another, in a previous conversation, Benedict, who wrote the rule of St. Benedict in the sixth century, um, one of his favorite words was steadfastness. And so this is a, about a practice of keeping, you know, practicing steadfast faithfulness. You know, and it strikes me too, you know, when we get simply aspirational and we don't, we're not able to kind of break that down into constituent weeks, seasons, months, days, you know, that we then always feel like we're never measuring up, right? And so then the answers to, to that, right, is to to simply ignore the fact that we're not being hospitable, let's say, or, you know, welcoming of our neighbors. Um, meanwhile, like we have no plan to do that. And so we either just feel shame and then we ignore it and hide, you know, or we feel shame and we just chuck it all, right? You know, so I, there's so many um, ways in which, it malforms us spiritually when we don't have a concrete plan or rule. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that 
and Margaret Gunther talks about this in her book, um, at home in the world. And, you know, David Zoll talks about this in seculosity. Like we have plans for so many other areas of our lives and we practice those plans with incredible zeal. You know, you've got your crossfitters and you've got, I mean, just whatever it is, you know, um, a lot of it is, you know, exercise or you could talk political partisanship in these ways that, um, we get very committed to other aspects of our life. Um, and we do that very, with a lot of intention, a lot of planning and a lot of follow through. And yet I think sometimes when it comes to our spiritual lives, we're like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to be a moralist. I don't want to be a legalist. I don't want to, you know, focus on my own efforts in the spiritual life. And so it really asks us, I think we've got to grapple with some malformation, to use your words, around spiritual formation. Like, is it accidental? Is it just going to happen to me as I lay in bed? (laughs) I mean, on the one hand, yes, you know, because God is at work in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. So he's doing a work in us that we aren't commandeering. Um, It's happening by his grace. And then on the other hand, um, there's a cooperation with um, the work of the Holy Spirit, a consent, a participation. I think these are words that I think can be meaningful ways to think about it. A.W. Tozer talked about, I think once he was asked, you know, what makes a saint a saint? What distinguishes those people who just walk so closely with Jesus and, and follow him so zealously? And he said, it's the habit of spiritual response. And I think that that's what um, a rule of life can be. It's a way to respond to the grace of God. God, God's grace has saved you. God's grace is going to keep and sustain you. But how do you kind of consent to his work? What he wants to do in your marriage, in your neighborhood, in your inner life, in your work, in your vocational, other vocational commitments? Um, It really does ask you to think about the ways that you can practice um, that participation. You don't depend upon it. You never depend upon your own efforts, but it doesn't mean you don't, you don't exercise them. Yeah, no, I think that's such a great point because, you know, I think we are, we are realizing increasingly the extent to which we have, um, been malformed or, you know, the ways we're, we're not even cognizant of the fact of how we are formed. I mean, there's lots of writing on, the ways technology has malformed us, you know, even just in our attention spans um, and distractibility. And we spoke about that a bit last week, but um, we can often feel like it's somehow cheating to actually have a plan for spiritual growth and discipleship. Yeah, Yeah. we can. And I think that, I I think there are so many reasons. Like if we don't have a plan, we can't fail a plan. So, you know, I've sort of spared myself and that's what you were, you were alluding to that and talking about that. Um, You know, a plan, I think a rule of life is the kind of plan that has to be constantly reviewed and constantly revised. Um, I mean, my rule of life has been a working document and it it really still is like, I'm still sort of trying to articulate some things in it. but one thing I realized is that, and this is just true of me, like I, if whatever plan I set out, like I need to downgrade it like 25%, like 100 uh, off the, off the, you know, just before I even like step off the box, just say, you thought you were going to do like, 
you know, I'm, for example, one of the things in my rule of life is I'm trying to do deeper reading, you know, just reading that is really going to challenge me. So I've been reading Dante's Divine Comedy, as I've told you. And so initially, I was like, you know, I'm going to read 10 cantos a week. No, that needs to be eight. That 100% needs to be eight. Um, And, and I think it's accepting the contingencies, the interruptions, the things that are outside of our control. No one follows a rule perfectly. And rule in Latin really just means regularity. It means, you know, just just pretty regular weeks you're going to be sick, weeks you're going to fall off the wagon, um, weeks, months, uh, you know, where you face a challenge or a crisis that throws you completely for a loop. Um, but then you can go back to it. Um, you can maybe remember some of the things that had felt important to you in one particular season and pray about those. Are those enduring for another season? This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow. We believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Tell us with, um, you know, help us get a little practical as we think about what kind of categories do you have in your own rule of life? And, you know, as we maybe are thinking forward to the new year, it can feel way overwhelming, right, to think about, okay, well, I have to up my spiritual game and my Bible reading and here are my work and vocational goals. And then, you know, I'm also maybe have small children at home or caring for aging parents. And it can feel like we just can't overhaul everything. So help us understand kind of what those maybe big buckets are um, as, as, as you are thinking through this. And then how do we begin to prioritize maybe some of those things, realizing we cannot accomplish all of this, you know, on day 30? Um, and just a reminder for our listeners, you know, if you pre-order Jen's book in good time, and we'll have the link in the show notes, she's going to help walk you through a rule of life over several conversations starting January 8th. So you can go ahead and pre-order. You fill out that little form. It takes two seconds. And then she can help walk you through what does a rule of life look like for you. So definitely don't want to miss that um, that pre-order bonus. It's fantastic. I love it. It's such a helpful, practical um, corresponding product to your book, which helps us think more globally about in good time. So, but back to the question, help us understand those buckets and how to prioritize some of that. 
I think, um, so when you ask the question and we kind of talked about, you know, what are your desires and what are the givens of your life? you got to start with the givens, you know, so what are your closest relationships? You know, are you married? Do you have a roommate? Do you um, have children? Are you caring for an aging parent? Is your cousin in your city and they have particular needs? You know, some, you know, those, so family relationships, close friendships, your church community, um, thinking about it in terms of relationships, your neighbors, that kind of stuff. I think it's also thinking in terms of your place. Where do you live? What um, So that should involve your church and your neighborhood, your city. Like what um, place is just a really important part of that. Place is also your, your actual like place of residence. That is actually a bucket. That's like one kind of bucket in my um, rule of life. And I think um, a lot of times maybe we would say, Oh, that's not really that important. Like, you know, the dishes and that kind of stuff. I'll fill, fill, fill that, you know, fill my mar the margins of the day. Like I'll attend to that kind of stuff. But in Benedict's rule, like you have a whole section on the cellar, you know, and what it, meal preparation. And um, so I think that your actual like physical housekeeping where you live, that's that that's an important part of it. Obviously your work. Um, I don't, I love, I prefer to think about vocational buckets because under the label of vocation, vocation really just means like vox, Latin, you know, voice, living in response to God's voice. All of these things are vocation. My closest relationships, where I live, um, the work that I do, paid or unpaid, um, you know, that might be, you know, yeah, you, where you show up nine to five, or maybe it's under that is a volunteer responsibility that you have that's really important, or ways that you're committed into your church community. Um, and there's obviously the personal bucket, you know, cultivating your particular person. I mean, we... Again, you can think about love God. What are our greatest commandments? Love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you're, you, you are a part of the rule of life. You know, how are you nurturing your inner life? How are you nurturing your sense of belonging into a community? Um, how are you caring for your body? Um, so these, these are certain. So all my rule of life is actually divided in that way. Some people like to approach a rule of life just kind of thinking more in terms of their time, you know, on a daily basis. What is really important for me to be doing and on a weekly basis? And then but for me, it's kind of a little bit more helpful to think marriage, parenting, friendship. You know, my vocational work as a writer and a speaker and actually as a student right now, too my being a neighbor, being a citizen, there's there's a little label that I put at the top of my rule of life, my place, what is, what matters here? I'm, I'm a homemaker. I keep a home and I manage a budget. So that's part of my rule of life. And then, and then my personal, my personal life. Yeah. And then how do you, you know, if people are like, oh, I'm so intrigued and this feels like a life hack, <laughs> you know, like finally, you know, like you were saying in a, a previous conversation, like finally everything will be in balance. Um, tell us a little bit about how the process of this rule of life and even creating this workshop has been for you to get you off of that idea that, okay, once I get all of these blocks in place, then, then I'll be okay. Um, and what maybe deeper invitation is there? I... I'm going to, as I'm going to be working through this, not only just on the workshop, but a couple of other speaking events. Like I actually think people need to see it. Um, they need to see it as columns and they need to see what are the givens in each of these columns because they can't all be attended um, 
equally, if that makes sense. Um, so one column, for example, for me in particular right now, that's very, um, that I feel is kind of a neglected column is being a neighbor and being a citizen. So I lived in Toronto. I had many commitments in, in various ways that I felt were ministries to my city. And now I've moved to a new city and I don't have those right now. And I'm very tempted, you know, I, I, for a while I was praying about, you know, should I volunteer at the school at the end of the street? My kids don't, don't go to that school, but um, seems like it could be a great place to sort of just give some time away. And I really just felt like God was saying, you've got to name what you're doing in this season. So a new thing that I'm doing in this season is caring for my mom. And that looks like, you know, and I've actually kind of said in my rule of life, what does that, what does that look like? And it doesn't mean it happens every week, um, but I'm with God's help and by God's grace, trying to invest in, in her and her, you know, some of the logistics of her care, but also just the relational elements of that. So a rule of life isn't just about naming all of your aspirations, but it's actually really sort of taking the measure of your present commitments. And sometimes you just say, this is just a season where in which I cannot volunteer. I've actually just sort of said that in my rule of life. Like I, for right now, until I finish grad school, until something shifts with my mom or my kids, like I just, I'm not going to probably go and volunteer down the street. Could I find other ways to be a good neighbor? Um, I signed up to be a poll worker for my, the next election. I thought, you know, I could do that. I could do a night. Well, they actually haven't returned my, I mean, I just sort of checked it off when I was registering to vote in my new state. But um, so sometimes it's just, you got to downgrade the thing. You want to volunteer once a week at your local school or for that food pantry. And maybe you can. And maybe that means that when you look at the realities, you think, I've, I'm spending way too much time watching TV. Like this is crazy. And this is the thing that I want to guide people in is to actually sort of look at how they already are spending their time. So maybe it is a renunciation of one thing so that you can make room for another, but maybe you really can't do that. There's just no obvious thing that you can get rid of. And so you say, either I can downgrade that, like, how can I be a good neighbor? I might not be able to have my neighbors over for dinner every week. But could I learn all the names of the people on my little laneway? This is something that I've just done recently. I have, we just have five houses on our street and I now have all their names and I can pray for them by name. That makes, you know, that's a call. Uh, that's, I'm trying to live in faithful response to God's call. It's, you know, I'm not, you know, moving the needle on world peace here, but um I am recognizing that this is an important aspect of being a Christian is loving my neighbors. And, and, and maybe, you know, a season of time will open up where I'll have more opportunity to, to love them in more, in fuller ways, I guess. You know, I love what you're saying too, because there's a sense in which, yes, we may need to downgrade, you know, our aspirational goals, but that these things are still built into how we're responding to God, how we are moving about in the world in a very practical and regular sort of way that then enables us to be sensitive to when seasons change, what like the building blocks might shift a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as we as we're thinking about, you know, we're still in December, you know, so we're we're still moving. <laughs> I, I know I'm like we're looking ahead to January, um, but you know, many of us are still do, scrambling, you know, for the the last minute gifts and 
trying to figure out a new recipe for a new pie or something. But, um, you know, given, given the reality, what kind of encouragement would you have to the listener who is, who's trying to stay, you know, present in this moment is trying to actually, you know, give their time to God or looking forward to some of these things, you know, like your rule of life workshop, that's going to be really helpful as we think about, think about time and maybe things settle down a little bit, but what encouragement might you have, um, just in these, these final weeks of the year and moving forward uh, to take the pressure off and to invite us into something more beautiful? Well, you said it, I think, even in your question, you talked about attention. And I think as I've, you know, done the research for the book and everything, most people realistically say you can't manage your time. Um, I mean, obviously, still a lot of people are selling a lot of books and devices and that kind of stuff, tools to manage your time. But I think wiser people are saying you can't manage your time, but you can manage your attention. And I wonder if, you know, there are just ways in which we can kind of move into the moment of now, you know, the moment of now, who are you? And I think a lot of that is actually renouncing digital distraction. I remember, um, I think it was two years ago, I just could see like I was going crazy (laughs) in terms of like, I think December is a great time to take a social media break. Quite honestly, there's so much to attend in your everyday life um, that if you can remove some distractions, some of that kind of background noise of, hey, look at me, pay attention, and then pay attention to what your life is calling you to right now, the people in your life, the, you know, so that you can be fully present. How can you do that? And for every single person, I think there's going to be a different answer to that. Does that mean that you need to just say, this is just not a month to start a new Netflix show because I need to make sure I'm getting to bed regularly so that I can not, so I can be awake because I can't be attentive if I'm like falling asleep half of the day. You know, maybe that's a practice that you take up. What is a practice that you take up so that you can actually just attend the, this, this fitting season of God with us. Um, Interestingly enough, you know, the incarnation is really the mo- the greatest act of attention. And I and I remember when I was reading a lot about attention, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to sort of rethink the greatest commandment instead of, you know, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, but attend God and attend your neighbor as you would attend yourself. And I think that's a wonderful invitation for the season because God attended us by drawing near and um, moving into the neighborhood. Oh, I love it. Thank you for just slowing us down, right? And and I think, you know, when we think about our time, it can feel very big and unwieldy. So to, to begin to realize we can actually attend to a moment and that can be, an, you know, an act of love uh, to God and to our neighbor is tremendously helpful. So thank you for helping us think through our time in this season. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much, Ashley. Friends, it's really exciting because Jen's book just came out. Today is actually the release day, and we are so excited to share In Good Time with you. 
And I hope that you've found these conversations helpful. If they have been, I would encourage you to simply go to the show notes and grab a copy of Jen's book, In Good Time. It's a beautiful meditation on the ways in which we can keep time and be kept by it. So I would encourage you to do that. And if you haven't done that already, I would also encourage you to sign up for Jen's four-week long workshops that you can do from any location to think about your own rule of life. Links, of course, are in the show notes. It's been a pleasure to have her on. Uh, She is such a dear friend, and I hope that you enjoy some of her beauty and wit and wisdom in her book, In Good Time. I want to leave you with one small step as we're halfway through the month of December, and it is simply to begin to map and manage our attention. In other words, sometimes we can get so bogged down with all of the things on the to-do list and all of the cookies we need to bake, and then we're thinking ahead to maybe our weight loss goals or something in the new year, and we can get completely flummoxed. And instead, I want you to think about how might you pay attention to your attention keeping. So whether it's a small child coming up to you, do you stop and bend down and look that person in the eye? Whether it's someone asking for your attention at the supermarket or at church, find a way to simply take a deep breath and pay attention to what you're doing, whether it's tying your shoes, going for a walk, doing one of the things on your to-do list, or even just reading and taking a nap. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. It's a way to help us slow down and to begin to practice some of those habits that Jen talks about in her book. Thank you, friends, for being here. It's been a terrific year at the Finding Holy podcast. We are going to see some big changes in the new year. The Finding Holy podcast is going to have a new name. I'm going to be hosting it with my husband, Bryce Hales, and it's going to transition into some of these great, thoughtful conversations that we're having with our Think Tank Willowbray Institute. So I cannot wait for this new iteration of the podcast. Thank you, friends, for being here. It is a joy to serve you, and it's a joy to have good conversations about the deepest things that matter. And in this new iteration, none of that's really going to change. There will be lots of great conversations. So stay tuned, share these episodes with a friend, and remember, all of these big ideas matter. But so does your laundry. And I bet you have a lot of it this season. 